0: The Banter Show, R.P. Gamer's editorial roundtable podcast. I am Scott Walker, and with me tonight are my co-hosts... I'm Sam Marcello.
1: I'm the artist formerly known as Anonymous Jackalope, Trent Sealy.
2: <laughs> and I am Michael Cunningham of rpgamer.com, and, oh, founder <laughs> and founder and president of the Sam Marcello Fan Club. Yes! Oh, I'm Treasurer, though.
3: (laughs) God, this is the Babysitter's Club all over again.
2: (laughs) Yep. Uh, But enough fan wank. Yeah.
0: That's... (sighs) Okay.
2: It's it's time to entertain you folks. All right.
0: Well, before we get to the entertainment, uh, this is um, the fifth episode, at which point we're supposed to have... The format solidified and whatnot which is obviously Sweet. which is obviously the point where i am going to open a uh, general feedback thread in the miscellaneous section of the forum which will be linked in the discussion thread for this in the doobity doop <laughs> and you should totally tell us um if we're missing anything if we're doing too much of one thing uh even just topics you'd like to hear us hit and uh let me know if I shelled out money for a uh, for a voicemail line, if you would call it.
2: Hmm, interesting idea.
0: And um, also, starting with episode six, you might see us increase the release schedule. Uh, I, I'm still maybe. Maybe I'm gonna guarantee the one monthly, but there might be a second one. That maybe doesn't have all hands on deck because really the thing that hinders this show the most is uh, scheduling. You know, we oh we, yes, none of us quite are in sync for a full on for a steady night, and uh, uh, really for that you can blame Crispy Max's wife.
2: <laughs> you can just blame me in general too. <laughs> no, no, blame I'm his
0: wife. Divorced. It's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I blame not, it on
3: pandas. <laughs> not
2: Becky.
0: Yeah, don't don't blame Becky. She she She's, doesn't care.
2: <laughs> no. Also not
3: her fault.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but she also, but more importantly, she does not care.
2: Exactly.
3: That's what happens when you have a fake spouse, right?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Fake caring goes a long long way.
3: I can't believe your wife posted those, you know, that news piece. That was awesome. She's not my (laughs) wife.
2: (laughs) Uh, Thank you. (laughs) So what's going on in the world of RPGs, gentlemen and lady?
0: All right, so tonight for the episode... Or I guess the morning, or whenever the hell you actually listen to this. I should probably use less specific time, uh, time terminology. So
3: whenever you listen to this,
0: we are talking our... about a bunch of ten dollar buzzwordy things and how they interact with uh, the RPG genre spectrum. Uh, those buzz, the buzzwords, <laughs> the buzzwords for the evening are uh, immersion, engagement, and investment. And uh, y- you know, obviously, you can tell. Um, by the way, I'm introducing it. Is I do
2: think they're kind of
0: nonsense. Uh, they they are nonsense words.
2: Ah, uh, yes, immersion, investment, engagement. Now, I think you were going to talk about this at some point, but I'd kind of like to know what you mean as far as the RPG genre spectrum. I'd like to hear if you have a tangent to go on about that, so I know what world we've been. If it's if it's referring to what I think it's referring to.
0: Well, basically, this is this is what I'm going to start referring to as uh, the, those games that the games that we as RP gamer cover. Because, gotcha. Um, That's a good way to phrase it. Well, basically, one of the things I've sort of really stumbled upon is that a lot of what we talk about are not related sub are not just subgenres of each other, but vaguely related genre, entirely different genres that are just sort of vaguely related by a handful of mechanics. Mm-hmm. Generally, when I say this spectrum thing, it covers sort of, on the one end, uh, character-focused ca- character focused sim games all the way over to um, third-person looters and multi-slayer RPGs.
2: <laughs> third-person looter, multi-slayers. Uh, that's some... Good phrasing there, wow. if I do say so myself.
0: We we work hard on coming up with catchy names for the things we talk about.
2: Indeed. Sim game. see, and just total side tangent, and I think it's good to kind of get this out of the way to start with, since we are going to be talking about different kinds of games and different kinds of things, the RPG genre spectrum. I do really like that phrasing because I absolutely loathe the discussion of what is an RPG, so I don't really ever want to have that debate with anybody. That's and I don't that really... <laughs> and it's because I don't care. You know, I don't care what they're labeled as. RPG genre spectrum is a good catch-all term. I don't care if you think Zelda is or is not an RPG because I don't have an opinion on that. All I know is that we cover Zelda and therefore... Yeah. It's gonna be covered. We cover Harvest Moon and therefore yeah. we're gonna talk but, about it. And,
1: but then there are people who are gonna be like, well, Halo's technically an RPG because it's a role-playing game and you're playing a
0: role. I mean, and so is Madden. A,
3: what's he <laughs> saying? You mean it's not a rocket-powered gun?
0: Yeah, no, you are pe- you are playing the role of the pistol. It is the only character on screen. True. Anything
2: anything could be an RPG. But Well,
0: and one last how thing much? about and I guess this is my axe to grind about Zelda is Okay, I'm fine if we cover it, but I'm going to insist that we cover other things that play almost exactly like Zelda. So look forward to my retro review of the PS2 version of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets eventually. (laughs) Once I I I find a copy that works.
1: (laughs) I always hoped that that game would ship with like a wand controller. This was back in the days before the Wiimote, but I, I always thought it would be cool. This is before the game Sorcery came out. To have like a motion control for that kind of game, a bit of a tangent, but I just wanted to throw that out there.
2: <laughs> it seems like you could get really immersed in a game like that. I oh, mean, you there could it, be a yeah. whole lot of immersion, and you just you'd probably be eight, very invested eight, in something like that. I would think because it sounds engaging to me. Yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> and so coming back to but back to the path, the the, the breadcrumbs <clears throat> is that. Okay, so immersion, engagement and investment are words that um, designers like to use and I think in sort of the actual playtesting phase it's worthwhile to talk about, but when they come out of the critical side or in the promotional side I'm like, yeah that that really doesn't mean much to me in the same way as saying, well, I plugged in the game and then a few I then I dimly realized it was nighttime and I needed to eat. <laughs> like yeah that... that that is the sensation they desire, and um whatever you actually say it as, uh you know it, it's something that it will only emerge from actual gameplay rather than just saying it happens or insisting everything being first person no matter what, like Far Cry does.
3: Mm. so it's not like the sims
0: it, you you can certainly get pretty heavily involved in uh, in the Sims.
3: I know I get heavily involved in The Sims. That's why it's banned from this house.
0: Except See? you totally have a copy right over there, so I don't think it, it's banned.
3: That's <laughs> Kim's fault. We all know it's Kim's fault. I blame Kim.
2: As far as what you're asking, though, and I think we can sum this up pretty easily: that promoters and you know all the marketing teams behind games are a bunch of liars, and they're exaggerating and they're inaccurate. Because everything that you read on the back of an RPG, that's the one thing I hate more than anything. When you turn back to the back of an RPG, you'll see something like immersive gameplay or become unstoppable, just all kinds of things. And then they'll say 70 hours of gameplay. Yeah, right. None of that stuff really means anything whatsoever. Here,
3: let me read a back of a box to you. I have Devil Survivor Two right here, and it says a perfectly addictive fusion of traditional and strategy RPG. She zoomed
2: out about like the marketers did when they but, were But, but that I will problem. say, Mac, that uh, but your that is
3: g- the nonsense that you get.
1: <laughs> your examples, Mac, are pretty much uh, ripped right off of the back of Two Worlds, if anyone remembers. That game.
0: Oh God. <laughs> And the oh.
1: one thing you left out was comparable to Oblivion in nature and size. Like well, It
0: does come on the same four gigabyte DVD. So, I mean, <laughs> it, is, it comparable. is comparable. Yes. Yeah. You, you I, can you compare shit and uh, filet mignon. You certainly can. <laughs> Yeah, I will say that
1: like this is very topical uh, as far as topics go for us, uh, especially after E3. Um, uh, deviating a bit from RPGs, uh, Mac and I were having a discussion over Twitter, well actually as, as I was preparing Currents about uh, EA's uh, conference. And I feel like that's kind of like the epitome of like the abuse of these buzzwords. Like the the, the 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 way that they were showing facial animations in their hockey games and in their sports games, like after minor things happened, and then said. The amount of immersion that the emotions these players are expressing to you truly engages the player and makes it feel more realistic. It elevates things to a truly next-gen level. It's like how many but and, and and to touch on buzzwords, it's not next-gen if we're playing it now. <laughs>
0: hey Trent, I got a bingo. <laughs>
1: but but seriously like it's i feel like their presentation touched on everything that i hate about like pre-game pr marketing
3: well let's face it how many people actually want to see the expression of their
1: hockey players
0: oh only before and after the fight mini
2: game
1: i i don't don't know the expression of my mario kart players is pretty rad
2: (laughs) yeah well i can tell you this much in the realistic ones that they showed at like the EA conference I, the only emotion I saw was on most of them so I'm not sure if that's you know any kind of real emotion or not but that's the immersion I got so I felt like it was dirt fest 2013 all over again uh, it's who thinks that realism is immersion well you want, uh, David you Cage, really want... <laughs> David yeah, Cage no? more
0: polygon is more polygons <sighs> is more feelings David Cage said
2: so. Well, he is wrong. I will tell you this much, and this is another non-RPG tangent, but I'm going to tear apart one of his games and praise one of his games, because Heavy Rain, I thought, was fantastic for this very reason. It was a game I was immersed in, a game that I really got sucked into, because the game itself, the story, whatever, you know, press X to Jason, who cares? The best part about that game, and the one thing I wish other games would rip off, was the fact that there was no game over state. There was no perfect ending. There was anything you did had an impact on the game. So I felt like I was always making the decisions, you know, could this person die? Could this person live? You know, was I going to cut off my own fingers in this one, you know, minigame or in this one scene or not? I felt immersed in that. And then you played the next one, Beyond Two Souls, and it just totally sucked all of that out and was just trying to be, you know, the emotional impact of everything. And it, it wasn't there. You know, they tried to make it emotionally impactful because they had real, more realistic graphics and what they thought was about a, a powerful story. But it's and not And
0: about $100,000 of motion capture tech that they decided yeah. to point at Willem Duff. Oh Yeah,
2: well, that mistake aside, what made the game before it, what made Heavy Rain immersive was not its motion capture, was not its voice acting, was not its story. It was the way it designed the gameplay, the yeah. way the gameplay had impact. And you don't get that from graphics. You don't get that from anything else. You get yeah, it from actually... gameplay. Well, I'm I'm gonna agree a little.
1: I'm gonna disagree a little bit on that. Um, for me, the thing that made heavy rain so impactful had nothing to do with with the gameplay. I felt like the gameplay was intuitive, and if I'm gonna use PR jargon, that certainly helped with my level of immersion. <laughs> the, the thing that made me care about the game and take things seriously and approach it approach these situations like they um, meant something bigger to me was was the story itself and the progression of the characters and that sort of thing? My problem with Beyond Two Souls uh, specifically is I didn't feel like the characters were real. And uh, if we're being blunt, I feel like Ellen Page was better in the last of us.
0: Yeah uh, <laughs> Not, And I guess that yeah. that sort of highlights the two buzz the difference between the two buzzwords for me is that immersion and engagement, um, well, okay, I'll, I will say that for me, immersion is meaningless. Engagement is in only measurable by uh, player response, which means you kind of have to be looking at me and seeing how my posture is while I am playing this game, and then investment is uh, largely either story or setting based that you can sit down and make me care about these characters.
3: So, in other words, Scott, you don't want to get a camera to capture my facial expressions when I am playing a game like Nino Cooney.
0: Oh no, no one need. Well, actually, no, we do need to. Uh, we need to go back in time and set up a streaming rig so that you can have the both of us yelling at this game for being dumb.
1: I, I, I just like these three words, immersion, investment, and engagement, as it pertains to game PR, because it's like, it's like that thing that Yoda says in Star Wars, like hate leads to anger, anger leads to pain, pain leads to suffering. When you have three words that are completely interchangeable, Trying to differentiate between them really doesn't take you that far. Like you're you're invested if you're engaged. You're you're immersed if you're invested. There's a level of engagement that comes with being invested or emerged in something. Like it's it's so they're so tightly knit and and i and i don't want to split semantics on three words cuz there are other terrible buzzwords that are wrapped around pr but we just get to we'll get,
0: we'll to, get see- to i'm I've, i'm actually planning on writing something about aaa <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but it's, it's it's just that we see all these words again and again and again and it just it like it's like it's meaning they're not classics of pr even they're clichés
2: yeah and the pr side of things you know they're just trying to make people interested they're tr- trying to get the name out there and they're trying to do that but if we take it on our own terms and we ignore the pr jargon and the back of the box nonsense that we see out there that who really reads the back of a box nowadays i mean do people at walmart really look at the back well you can't uh, like conception and go class mating time you know nobody well, does it, that well you it can't we because aren't.
0: it's in a box and it's locked and you have to ask the lady at walmart to open the box and well, then kind of awkwardly point at conception well, well, to be and then... fair, that's
2: that's why you don't go to Walmart. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: the back of the box is kind of a remnant of a society now gone. Like when when we, when it was like 2002 and we were like standing around at EB Games, you know, waiting for like. The next entry in the Kingdom Hearts series to come out, or, or whatever, we would be looking at the back of the box because, to give us a better idea of what these games were like because the internet was not in the palm of our hands. You know, if I'm in a GameStop today, like I, I'll just pull up my phone, and I know this sounds horrible, I will check Metacritic <laughs>
0: for oh, the shit. words,
1: <laughs> and and I will go to RP Gamer to see the coverage the game has gotten and the opinions in the comments section. And that will dictate whether I want to buy some sort of unknown RPG or something. I don't think the box matters today, but the box certainly mattered 10, 20 years ago.
3: Absolutely, it mattered. I'll never forget, you know, random tangent, but when I was a lot younger, in the PS2 days, my dad used to take me out and we used to go out and buy my mom like her birthday present, and I'd get a consultant's fee, because my dad was apparently not very good at buying
0: gifts. (laughs) And I'll never forget... Just to confirm, yes, it was true. He was pretty bad at gifts.
3: <laughs> I got a box of cookies one year. It was exciting. Like, a giant box of cookies. Like a
0: crate of cookies. It
1: was that's, exciting. That's a good thing, right?
3: It's a good thing. It was
0: all, we, we ate those cookies heartily.
3: <laughs> um, but I went into an EB Games, and he said, okay, what do you want to get? And look, this box said there are two games in one oh. for $40. And that was the one he picked. And it actually ended up, it was the Growlancer Lancer Generations. You know, oh. two, sorry, it was two games for the price of one. My mistake. Um, and you know what? That was the one time he actually read a game box and said, here, honey, I am buying you this.
0: Yeah, hmm. but see, normally when, when when I see parents read the, well, there are more games How on the disc. How many of actually read it? <laughs> no, they read this game. This has X games in one on one disc. It is yeah. always like they think that is value. And I'm like, They're midway arcade games. Only two of them are good. Run away.
2: Well, we all know that nobody, like we said, nobody really reads the box anymore. So the box quotes and stuff, you know, if we're just talking about the buzzword section of things, which I don't really think is the whole point of the debate that we're having or the conversation we're having right now, it's more what does immersion really mean to us? You know, forget about the word. What concept are they trying to get across, and how is that in reality for us? What, what makes you want to play a game? What makes you, like Scott said earlier, what makes you sit down first thing in the morning, start playing a game, and then you're like, oh, it's dinner time? That's what they want to portray as immersion. But forget PR. Forget marketing. What makes you want to play a game? What are the things that draw you in that really suck you into them?
0: Well, okay, and this is where I think the words do mean different things because there is engagement, where it is that sensation of I installed the game this morning and now it's dinner time and what happened, and there's mm-hmm. also immersion, which I will say um, probably a better ten dollar word is verisimilitude. Like if you can convince me this that pla- late
1: twelve dollar word,
0: <laughs> okay, maybe yeah, maybe, all, all right, I will give you. I, I will with the exchange rate and inflation, it's probably twelve dollars. That's a
1: pricier word, yeah. <laughs>
0: But it it is a game where I can sit down and say, you know what, I this place seems credible to me, and I'm not saying that you know my su- my disbelief suspenders are not firmly attached, but um, it it, it there's no point where I say, y- wait, really, snack cakes, two hundred year old snack cakes, whatever.
2: <laughs> See, then that's one thing. I never really care about most of the time in video games, at least not to the depth that a lot of people do, because my suspension of disbelief is so out there most of the time. Even when they're trying to be realistic, there's... Then again, I guess you've got a point. There are some some points in time where you can see, like, maybe ten years are supposed to have passed during a game or something, yet all of the characters, except for the main character, are still like the same age. You know, you had like this 30 year old person, and now they're like 40, and they don't really seem to have aged at all. And it, or like a teenager, and now they're in their mid 20s, but the other characters haven't aged at all. You know, that kind of stuff, you know, you kind of get lost. But I don't really think I've ever been drawn in so much that I've been immersed or verisimilituded. <laughs> I don't think that's the proper way to use that word.
0: Um, I don't. I don't think that one is a verb at all.
2: It is now.
0: Um, all right. Uh, I need you guys to use that in ten more articles uh, across the internet so that it will get into the OED in about ten years. Do that. Gotcha. For me.
2: But all right. that. I guess I'm more into the um, the engagement side, and we'll find other ways to phrase that than I would be. To immersion because I don't I don't care I don't care if it's realistic I care if it's fun. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I guess my the
0: best example of the oh man I installed this and now it's dinner is probably like Peggle.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
3: I have lost a lot of time to Peggle.
2: Not anymore for me. I can't play the Time Killers anymore. I don't just no interest whatsoever. I'll play them for five minutes and put them away. I don't. I don't think like even. You know, puzzle quest kind of did it for me for a little while but even that lost its interest so i wish i could say the same i i my interest is
1: totally there i just feel guilty what with my backlog like
3: <laughs> backlog makes everybody feel guilty let's
1: well i mean you're you're spending time on angry birds and then you're like i really should be finishing that rpg <laughs>
0: <laughs> well there's an angry birds rpg now
1: don't let's not even talk about these things that we're
3: not covering <laughs> because I we say, don't want to
0: talk about Angry Birds and it's free. Say, so I will say that, that. I'm
1: from uh Mac in, in a couple ways, probably. Um, I, I, I definitely get engaged in games if we're gonna use that word. I, I feel the time pass if I'm really into a certain game, mm-hmm. but I, in terms of level of immersion, I, I think I'm always a few steps away from where other people are at. Like I'm the guy that will ask, you know, why did this red lion drop a fire ring when I killed it? Did it swallow it? Did it have it on its body? Like, was it attached to its ring finger? Did do red lions even have ring fingers? Where did this red ring come from? Like, <laughs> and like I, I'm the guy who will sit there and like have internal debates with himself in the spoils section of any Final Fantasy game. And I love that I get this stuff and I love I love the battle. Like it's not a complaint of the game, but I it does take me out of that experience.
0: Wait, wait, wait a minute. Spend... What is this wolf doing with Chainmail? I'm going to skip this <laughs> these sections from now on. <laughs>
1: Like, how how did I get into a random battle with a beast that is the size of a Tyrannosaurus? Why couldn't I have <laughs> this ten feet in front of me? Like, and, and this is the thing: I don't suspend my disbelief. My brain never stops turning its gears when it comes to these things. I get over it and I continue playing the game because it's fun. And you're right, fun is paramount. But it, it, like, in terms of immersion, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I really get there unless the plot <laughs> is ultra
2: realistic. Uh, See, I I never care. I I remember the first few games I ever played were like Uh, (laughs) Pac-Man. Yellow Dot, going around an area where ghosts are and you're eating pellets. Then Super Mario Brothers, where you're a plumber who goes into giant pipes and fights mushrooms and turtles. Um, Well, sometimes
0: settings are just so weird, all you can do is roll...
2: Yeah and and I, I just... and I
0: think there there is sort of an uncanny valley effect where you have complete cartoon insane logic and then it sort of ascends into okay this is almost realistic and then you hit this peak where it's not realistic enough like uh hey 200 year old snack cakes what <laughs>
1: You know, I will say, though, the the double edge of the sword that is me not falling into uh, suspension of disbelief is that the moment in Super Mario 3D World where Mario and Luigi pulled out hammers and fixed a pipe... I was like, finally, their existence as plumbers <laughs> has been justified.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, you God. immediately go, "Wait, do you fix pipes with hammers? I thought there were like wrenches."
1: <laughs> no, no, we're not thinking about this. I'm <laughs> sure there's at least one real life plumber that has fixed a pipe using a hammer. I'm sure. And and I said to myself, for the first time in over 25 years, I can say to myself, yes. These people are plumbers.
2: <laughs> Having dealt with two real-life plumbers today, they were nothing like Mario and Luigi, and I was so disappointed. Well, they did wore you matching outfits? They didn't have different colors. Were they Italian stereotypes? <laughs> well, no, did you? Not even o- close. Did they were you like Southern rednecks?
0: Did you even offer them spaghetti to be sure?
2: Did you offer them uh, mushrooms? no
0: spaghetti with mushrooms? Come on.
2: Yeah, I should have. I, I might have been immersed in the process of paying we're plumbers. We're walking the, the case. racism right here. Let's move on. To-
1: when
3: I play games, it's always about how addicted I am in the process. Like, if I'm not really into a game, like some of the review stuff I get, for example, <laughs> um, <laughs> some of it's special, let's face it. I tend to... I don't have the same level of I want to go play it and I want to keep going and I want to know what's happening. And in most cases, I tend to be overly critical when I'm not enjoying something. I kind of sit there and I'm like, you know, I don't understand why Esther sucks at everything. Or why is this Pokemon except for the part where it sucks at being Pokemon? Why does this game suck? And that's usually kind of my thought process. And then Scott will come into the bedroom and then I will just kind of go into some giant rant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) about Mm -hmm. something it's it's definitely easier to pick apart something that you're not a fan of um
3: even when i'm addicted to something i still have the same problems once in a while like i started playing battle princess arcadius and while i'm really enjoying it as a beat-em-up it's not my favorite and i sit
0: there and i go well we spent like 15 minutes staring at it dissecting the animation I wouldn't say we were, like, we were not involved or in, we were not even remotely interested in the action or the story, but we were, like, really dedicated to how the the shoulders worked.
3: And part of the thing is, and just to kind of set it up, I mean, Battle Princess Arcadius has a fairy tale style. Like, it's almost like a pop up book. And Scott and I were kind of sitting there going, you know, this kind of would look better if, like, they had pegs in their arms and stuff because. Like,
0: if it was more obviously puppet theater.
3: Yeah, I mean, we were just sitting there, and it's like, you know, like, they should have went, like, 110% with this, because, like, then it would fit the style of what they're what they're doing, and sometimes that's the stuff that I tend to pick up on, Or hmm. it's like, you know, I feel like something could have been done differently. I don't know, like, you know, I think back to playing Child of Light, and what I, you know, as much as people criticize things like the poetic dialogue, I look at it, and I go, because I'm that weirdo that pays attention to a- aesthetics, you know... I also tend to be highly critical of them. And, you know, when I play a game like child of light, um, yes, the poetry aspects, whatever, you know, if people like it, awesome. If they don't, whatever, I don't care. I enjoyed it. But considering it's also playing with different kinds of fairy tales, there is a part of me that as someone who reads a lot of fairy tale retellings, loves fairy tales. I can be really critical about that kind of stuff because it's like, Oh, but if you're doing sleeping beauty, why, why are you choosing this approach? Or, Why aren't you doing it this way? Or, hey, I remember this approach, and it's, you know, and I sit there and I debate it the whole time. I don't know if that's also just um, the amount of literature I've studied or whatever, but there are some games that make me do that where it's, I'm just ripping it apart in my head because it's like, you know, this, this author did it this way.
0: Well, and here's the Video thing. Video
3: game, do it that way.
0: <laughs> and and I guess because you're more aesthetically focused, I will say that I'm very kinesthetically pr- focused and that I'm always sort of thinking about how this feels in the moment and why I will always kind of you'll you'll see me really make a point talk about like x-axis sensitivity and even just even just movement speeds in games. Like, if, FBF, if FSP, FPS Gamer ever happens, you will see detailed <laughs> breakdowns of how each gun plays in, in say, Halo 5 or Destiny.
1: I would not frequent that site.
0: I know.
3: You know, but, you know, Scott makes a and I mean, as a person who lives with him, I get to put up with it. <laughs> lovingly.
0: Well, but y- he's even got just a point like, sometimes. Point, like, even just flashing back to Far Cry, I'm like, no, driving isn't right. This, this grass and dirt roads feel the same and it's wrong.
3: Well, I, and you can't help but kind of have those moments, too, where it's like something doesn't feel right, and you know, like, it's not done purposefully, but you're kind of sitting there and going, you know, if I was, like, I'm sorry, but when I think of driving the Mako in Mass Effect 1, you know what? That game did a good job oh. of making me very angry about the terrain.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that thing just did not behave like any don't, vehicle I don't ever. I
1: understand why people had so many complaints about the Mako. I thought, oh, it no. was just I, I like
3: driving the Mako, but I was also the first to say it drove like a shopping cart.
0: Well, part... <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> the there, broken there, wheel. There will be a whole thing about the Mako at some point, but it basically has to do with the fact that it handles like a third-person shooter character when it should handle like an APC and it wasn't really good at either of those and I guess but going back to my kinesthetics thing this is my hurdle for JRPGs because everything about it is menu based and moving around is just sort of same full lead sound effect over and over until the screen breaks and I have to fight something with uh you know with with the arrow keys
2: (sighs) Well, before we change that subject, I have to say that I feel like the most shallow gamer like as far as what I look at in a game compared especially compared to the three of you. Because, you know, Trent is worried about why tigers drop swords. <laughs> Sam's worried about the art style and the animation not being exactly up to the fairy tale standard. <laughs> Scott, you're worried about how the you know the the vehicles in far cry drive differently on drive the same on dirt as they do on grass and i'm just like shoot shoot kill kill stab stab save whoever killed the bad guy and was it fun when i did it you know i don't none of that stuff matters to me at all
3: I think so i don't think okay. okay i don't
2: think the immersion process is something totally different for me
1: But can we all agree that it's really friggin' weird when a tiger
2: drops a sword? Can we just settle on that? Like, it's weird, and I just don't even think about it. Well,
0: uh, here's the thing. It's weird. I only think about it when
2: you make me think about it.
0: Like, it's weird and awkward unless the sword is really cool. In that case, I'm like, yes, this is the sword I want. This is the exact sword I need. Uh, Who cares where I got it from?
2: you know i'm used to playing games where you fight metal slimes and you know when you kill them you get lots of experience points for whatever reason and i just don't question it i just love it and i'm happy and i'm shallow like that but or maybe i'm just not really thinking uh, i don't know but i'm okay with that i really you am be,
3: you should be allowed to be okay with that because and i am we I represent
2: think... different aspects of gaming. I think all four of us do in this case very well, because, like you said, I should be, and I, and I am. But that doesn't mean I'm not critical of other aspects of things.
3: Well, and and my thing is, I'm not like that all the time. I mean, I, you know, my Skyrim adventure with accidental lesbian romance, I just let it happen, and I was totally cool with it. Why? Because you kind of want to see where that goes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet it. you do. <laughs>
3: what i'm just saying like those are the kinds of moments where you just let it ride because there's that morbid that's, curiosity Let's see where it goes.
2: that's what she said
3: so. <laughs> i'm sorry that was how i played dragon age too i was like oh
2: yes okay all right you know perfect point perfect point to go into what matters to me most is and it's not that the other stuff really doesn't matter it just i just don't care about it i don't worry about it Dragon Age great example one of the first games that I rated like I gave a five out of five one of the only two I've ever done that for and that's the exact reason is because I felt like I was really role-playing in that game so I guess maybe I'm lying that's what matters to me in games that try to do that kind of stuff I understand there's some things like you mentioned you know there's some JRPGs you'll play like you know one of the first ones that i long and remember Final Fantasy 4, you go in a linear story, you don't make any decisions. You just follow this. It's like reading a book. Dragon Age, you were role-playing. Your party members that you get could get mad at you and leave and try to kill you. That's not something that I'd ever experienced in a Japanese role-playing game before that I'd been used to. So that really, like, I was like, oh, this is good stuff. I love this. I want more of this. Yeah,
1: and then you have someone like me, who then played Dragon Age Two after really enjoying the original Dragon Age, and asked himself, "Why the hell did the Qunari look so friggin' different? Canari <laughs> never looked this..." Hey, different.
3: hey, hey! They <laughs> come, they come from the island of Misfit Canari. Aided and
1: I why, figured why, that why, out. why is there no overworld? Why am I just jumping from hotspot to hotspot? Why are they being? Because re- they
3: made it in six and... months, sweetheart.
1: Why, why are all the textures all the same? Why is everyone giving this a nine point five out of ten? Why is point you know, five out of 10?
3: <laughs> Dragon Age 2 is clearly a sore spot for you, so we're going to back well, away from It's a from sore it. spot
0: for a few people.
3: I feel like I'm one of the only ones where it's not a sore spot, but I didn't love you it. You and Adrian. <laughs> hey, 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 I don't love it as much as Adrian did, okay? I, I know it's false. But I was more into it because Hanky Panky time with Fenris and Anders was totally worth yes, it.
1: Yes, but if you didn't like Fenris and there were reasons not to like Fenris Oh, there was plenty of reasons
3: not to like Fenris. I just to life. Fenris is the
0: best JRPG protagonist I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> a western rpg it's so weird it's like final fantasy barfed on dragon age and he's the biggest dick hey,
0: hey, <laughs> yeah guys, that's why he's the best jrpg protagonist ever because you as a character can slap him around for being a dick
3: trent my thing what? was i wanted to bone everybody i didn't really care
1: <laughs> yeah you played as a female character though didn't you
3: Yes. Let both me tell times. you.
1: Something. Let me tell you something. You play as a male character in that game. Fenders really wants to be, really wants to bone you, and I have no idea why. But if you turn him wow, down, politely, if you if you turn him down politely, he'll take the first instance to stab you in the back over it. He's that's like,
3: fantastic. I'm gonna play as a dude next
1: time. <sighs> he is. A, he is. he's a, he a well, no, because then you're gonna try and get with him anyway. You don't understand my point. <laughs> <laughs> You know uh, what, Trent? You know he's what? He's a very he's a very catty version of uh, he's he's like a diet cloud stripe.
2: <laughs> I don't like him. <laughs> diet cloud stripe's the best term I've ever heard. <laughs> um, but you guys are another point, children. and I think I interrupted Scott when he was making this uh, transition earlier. But you were talking about certain Japanese role playing games that you would play. Well, and, and here's how, the thing,
0: like, well, and that that's my thing is. There are JRPGs where I feel like I am a person. I'll I'll, I'll call out the 2 perso- Persona 3 and 4 and a few others. Okay. And then there are JRPGs where I am playing a cursor. I am a, I'm a heroic cursor, but at the same time it's like I I am sitting here watching this I'm I'm watching cutscenes and then I'm watching these battles happen and it it takes a lot for me to feel it. Like I mean I'll I'll bring up bravely default and uh it, are, are any of you familiar have t- have any, either of you taken enough theater to be familiar with beat analysis? Okay, so beat analysis is this idea where you look at the scene and you look at what happened and you you break it you break it and even scenes can be broken down into multiple moments where and you call it a beat. And so you would say, okay, this is an exposition beat. this is a gratification beat. this is a uh, action beat. And in bravely default, they will have an exposition beat. So you will sit through a cutscene where they explain a bunch of stuff and you get the new objective. And immediately after that, you will get a little prompt that says, Press Y for Gratification Beat. And it'll be a little comedy skit, Tales style, where you'll hear either one of... You you will hear uh, one of two jokes. Uh, Joke A is that Agnes has no sense of direction. Joke B is that... um, What's-his-name... Is... Ring a bell
2: likes women. Yeah. Or joke C is that Idea likes food. Yeah. Oh. Or I... that ring- joke D is that ring or is that uh, Tiz has no clue how to be a hero.
0: Yeah. And then one of the other characters will play. Uh, will play the bokeh. U- usually, Idea will will play the bokeh to whoever made the joke. And that and to me, that's like okay. But you've just chased a cutscene with a cutscene when you should be shifting to gameplay. And I was listening to the de- the dev commentary on Deus Ex Human Revolution because I was play- f- finishing that up. And they were talking about going into the end game. And they were like, we had a whole bunch of exposition with uh, with a certain character who is kind of a spoiler and I won't mention. And we-, we did a bunch of exposition and we were like, okay, we need to have a moment where you punch a bunch of guys So you feel like you've done something, so we can have another moment of exposition with the exact same character. And we had to write around this. And I appreciate that sentiment, and that's where I think these words can mean something to developers. And And beat analysis is important to presentation and user experience in a way that it is completely meaningless for PR people.
2: And see, I think a lot of this... For now, for now,
1: now. you just give E3 two years, and then every friggin' asshole is going to get up there and be like, coming to the game, a new immersive form of beat analysis, unseen (laughs) in the RPG
2: landscape. (laughs) Uh, Well, this is where I think a lot of times, too, you get going back to the point of the three words that we're kind of discussing and the three areas that you're kind of discussing brings back personal preference. Because, see, you appreciate the beat analysis or, you know, the variation that you run into. And I can to a point. But I don't think I've ever been more frustrated in games where I feel like they've got the story going and then they add filler because they feel like they needed a gap. Like, they're, well, they're, Final Fantasy Thirteen literally starts
0: chapters by saying, hey, uh, you need to grind some more. <laughs>
1: Well, the, well, well there, there are also games out there that are nothing but exposition and dialogue, and it feels like, come on, just like make something happen,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. Skyrim, That's... maybe? Yes, no? <laughs> no, even Skyrim, no, at
2: least. I, I mean, it was, you can avoid the dialogue in there for the most part. Well, just here's the thing stuff.
0: if you are going to play the main quest of Spy- Skyrim, which I don't necessarily recommend more than once, it, it is literally exposition, like hours in a row of exposition. Intercut with walking around and stabbing things.
2: And see, the one thing I'll say with you know, going back to Bravely Default and some other Japanese games, the beat analysis that you were talking about, where you finish a cutscene, the skit that they give you, optional.
0: Yeah, it's optional, but it it feels like it it's supposed to be the reward for sitting through the exposition is now you get a joke.
2: Now you get your comedy Eh. moment. I, and I think some people want that. Some people really like that, and others are like, Man, whatever, I don't care. You know care. what? And if I got the were... book I was skipping some, so I understand not wanting that.
3: But you know what? It's like you said, Max. Sometimes there is that – there are the people that want it. There are people who will watch every single Tales cutscene to get not only get their Chivo, but because they want to see that interaction with the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. In some cases, yeah, it actually is a little entertaining. Well,
0: and here's the thing. Like, Final Fantasy Tactics has this weird thing where uh, certain, certain cutscenes, which are almost entirely meaningless, uh, will trigger based on literally which characters are where on what day and what items are in your inventory. And people will have written comprehensive walkthroughs to make sure you see them all. And I don't know...
2: Why?
3: Because <laughs> for the it's same something reason, they love.
2: Yeah, for the same reason you'll talk to every NPC in a town in, you know, Fallout Three.
0: Oh, and I don't talk to those people. To say, it's They're why obvious. I
2: <laughs> then you wouldn't, but other people would. Some people <laughs> it, love that crap. Yeah, well, they
1: do. And, and and I don't. To be fair, uh, when it comes to Bravely Default, I'm pretty sure their their end goal in making that game was to make like a a true JRPG. And I think those moments of mild comedy are a staple of traditional JRPGs. And, and I know people are going to split semantics on what, what is a JRPG. But let's just say it's like Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy or Breath of Fire or Tales of Symphony, You know, like well, there are always those nice cutesy little uh, dorky moments. You I'll know? take issue
2: with that because earlier on, like looking back to Final Fantasy 4 and 6... There wasn't that really. I mean, you may no. have had a couple of moments of comedy, but you didn't get the back and forth Tales style or, you know, bravely default style comedy. I I can agree. Some of them had it, and Tales is kind of the biggest one that's done that kind of stuff. And well, that, you know, that's not their signature,
0: that. almost up there with the action-y combat.
2: It's been there since day one. Just look at Final Fantasy IV. Where was the, where was the comedy? Oh, look um, you something
3: like spoony that. bard. <laughs> But no, but let's look at a game like Valkyrie Profile. That's a perfect example of you don't really get a break from the depressing aspects of that game. It keeps coming. It keeps hitting you harder. And even when you go to a dungeon, dungeons give you plot points that are equally freaking depressing. But, you know, you're dealing with people who are dying. <laughs> That's the <laughs> point.
2: Indeed. And I feel like we may have kind of lost track just a, a little bit on this last part, but talking about what really engages somebody in a game is kind of what I focus on more than anything. Whenever I'm reviewing a game or whether yeah. I'm just playing it for fun, it's what gives it that hook. And that's the whole reason a lot of times my, you know, game playing amount of games that I play nowadays is kind of dwindled is because I will spend more time on one game than spending it on, you know, a dozen others that don't really give that hook, that don't give you a hook to keep you in them. And I think back to a good example, and I was dying to write something about this and just never have gotten around to it, but Xenoblade, playing that game for the first 10 hours... Everybody was talking about how great it was, what all was getting into, and I was bored to tears. I mean, I love that style of game because it breaks from the tradition that, you know, Scott, you were saying you hated about Japanese games is, you know, the way things are kind of broken up, and it, it breaks that up and gives a good balance between story and gameplay and back and forth. But for the first 10 hours of it, I was bored to tears and didn't want to play anymore. And then for some reason at you know it it wasn't that it got good at the 10th hour it was just that i found different ways to play it after 10 hours and it changed my whole prospect or ho- my whole outlook on that game and i was hooked all of a sudden and you know couldn't put it down for another 75 hours or another 65 hours or however long it took me to get through the game i think like 75 hours or whatever and that's what i felt like that's something you can't put on the back of a box you can no. put that a game is 70 to you know to 90 hours but,
0: but how that many doesn't of those hours are good
2: yeah it doesn't mean it's fun if i can sit and play the, the three games that i have records of not counting like mmos but the three games i have records of playing the longest are persona 3 4 and xenoblade all 70 plus hours and it you know that's not a back of the box selling point for me. It's not that they were that long. That's not the reason I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them because they were great games and it didn't feel like that long.
3: Well, and In your case with Xenoblade, it was because you took a completely different approach, it enhanced your enjoyment.
2: Exactly. I know I've done
3: that sometimes with games where I have to put them down for a little bit and then I go back and it's like I have a whole different approach in mind of maybe how I'm going to try it. Um, A great example for me was Fallout 3. I remember playing it the very first time, and I was like, I don't get this, Scott. I don't get why this is fun. <laughs> and, and then
0: said, she uh, started playing a Melee character. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I and did the it, same thing.
3: And it, it changed my perspective. Like, well, truthfully, Fallout 3 was the example of just, I don't like this. So Scott's like, okay, try New Vegas first. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And New Vegas, I have two full, complete playthroughs, um, didn't have many crashes, and it's a game that I absolutely adore. And I could go back to it and I would still have the same level of enjoyment. Why? Because that game says, you have a bajillion different little approaches you can take. Have fun. You know? And that that to me, that just adds to the level of enjoyment. If I'm told that I have different ways that I can approach things, I want to try them all. And I'm okay with that. It's like, oh, I can just walk up to a dude and punch their head off. Why not? (laughs) Right. And when I went back to Fallout 3, I had a better appreciation for it going backwards. Yeah. It was like, okay, you know what? I can do this now. I still think it's the more inferior game. Yes, I know people are going to shoot me for that one, but I think it is inferior in a lot of ways. But I appreciate the fact that, again, I learned how to cope with the fact that it's something I've never experienced, put the approach in, didn't work, tried it again, and I found a way that was happy for me to play
2: mm-hmm. it. And I'm coming from a similar perspective because i hadn't played any real western rpgs with the exception of just a little bit of diablo and a little bit of oblivion before which are I got into definitely very
0: different styles and at some point i'm gonna to have to explain why uh, elder scrolls games are in fact sims <laughs>
2: <laughs> i can understand that cheese collectors actually um the biggest thing that got me was not the in and out gameplay like the combat style gameplay. I didn't enjoy the gunplay at all. I don't like inventory management. So keeping, you know, ammo on hand and managing my inventory was not fun. But when I took the you know, the melee approach and just get me a big club or, you know, a sword eventually in the DLC, that kind of stuff was fun. But what really hooked me on that game was the way it did the world. The way you could go through, I remember clearly, this is the point that really sold the entire game for me, was going through and getting through the ruins of a city, and I was listening to the radio because I loved the music, and it was kind of cool getting the, you know, butcher Pete in the, you know, the radio and just jamming around killing things and exploring the world, and then you start hearing static on the radio, and all of a sudden you're hearing a call for help. And that kind of see that's what PR will come in and say oh it's immersive gameplay Well, I don't care what you call it but that was a hook that was something that hadn't really happened to me before to where you just found something it wasn't like a side quest you ran into this one person and he's like find me a sword in this area or you found some you know random cave flying an airship around you you just were exploring and it came upon you. Well, the, yep. the best that, quests that in Fallout
0: 3 it. were unmarked quests.
2: Yeah, and that was fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, there's so, a
1: dynamism to it. It's like I, I feel like the same thing happened, and I'm going to go back to Skyrim in this case, because true. I don't have a lot of negative things to say about Skyrim. I, I understand why some people aren't huge fans of it and have their pop- thoughts. But, um there was there's one thing that actually did make me feel really engaged in the game and that was uh, I was I was enjoying the beauty of the game because at the at the time in particular it was probably the most beautiful games to be released and there was a pack of butterflies that I was chasing for no reason and then a talking dog ran up to me and started asking for my help and I was like holy crap it's a talking dog <laughs> I've always wanted this so I uh, that, that
0: question well, that quest was amazing, like a lot of the Daedra Lord quest was. But it, even then, I'm like, oh man, the Talking Dog quest—that's the best one. But, but
1: it, like, it was completely out of the blue and unplanned, and and this was before I realized that the game had a lot of dynamic events where like things just kind of happened, regardless of whether you anticipated joining a quest or not. You know, it just it was coming at you, and that made me feel like really part of the world, and and I dug that. But there's no way that that could have been put on the box of. Uh, Skyrim and, and advertised me. And, and if it was hyped up in trailers or in video game magazines, I probably wouldn't have believed the hype anyway.
0: Well, and it was weird because, I mean, getting into a specific Skyrim example, one thing they did hype was that there's this love triangle quest in the first town you visit where, you know, there's this bard and this blacksmith and they both want to bang the barmaid and they give you, like, fake letters to deliver and there's a whole bunch of outcomes and it's, like, this really... Like, it is the deepest quest in the game. And it's the only one that behaves like this. (laughs) Like, you have one crazy, multifaceted obsidian level quest and then the rest of it is oh hey um there's some bandits over there could you punch them until they go away all right thanks (laughs) yeah there's
1: there's a lot of point point a to point b quests i get that
2: so what other stuff engages you in games or you know if we're going back to the ignoring what the buzzwords are and coming up with our own concept of what makes something good what what does it for you all for me, it like I said, it's always gameplay. I can sit and play a game with an awful story if I enjoy what I'm doing in it, but it's harder for me to play a game where I hate the gameplay if the story's good. I just, I don't care how good the story is if I'm not having fun playing it. What about you all? I've,
1: I've pressed through games with terrible gameplay, with good stories. I've done that. Because I I, I feel like it's that, that's the main reason why I play RPGs in particular, is because I want to be stimulated by an interesting story. Uh, the thing that pushes me f- forward more than stories is probably good character design. Um, Persona Four is an excellent example of this. If you're looking at the story of Persona Four, I would make the argument that it's pretty. I don't. I don't want to say lackluster, but it's a standard kind of crime drama. Like, well, it's, the- it,
0: it's not even standard crime drama. It's goddamn Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah it's
1: just it's it's there's not much to the story itself but but if you're if we're talking about the characters i i loved them i found them so multifaceted and interesting and and they grew and they had challenges and they had issues to their character that they had to address and you had to address with them like i like yeah. had, had i not been in love with each of the characters for individual reasons i probably wouldn't have given a damn about the story and how it affected those characters Um, But I will agree that, uh, at the end of the day, gameplay is is probably the most important thing to any game. It's the only thing that's really going to make me enjoy the experience. And I have played games with good characters and good story and terrible gameplay, and I look back on those games thinking, I really wish the gameplay was better. So
2: there's something to that. My days of doing that have dwindled. I used to quite often, but now with so many options out there, it's hard to... Because, like you said, I do play role-playing games for have good characters and a fun yeah. story and things like that. There
1: again, I've also played games with terrible story and terrible gameplay. Um, Metroid <laughs> other M comes to mind uh, because a devout respect for the franchise. <laughs> uh,
2: I see. I loved other M because I ignored the story and enjoyed the gameplay. I loved the gameplay in that one. Really. Only because it was the closest thing to a 2D Metroid we've had on a console since Super Metroid. So it's really kind of beggars can't be choosers kind of situation.
1: Gotta go back and play Metroid Fusion, Metroid
2: Zero Mission.
0: Yeah, you 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 really need to dig up the handheld Metroids if that's what
2: you want. Um, yeah, uh, and I've played both of those too. I love both of those as well and have replayed those, which is something I really and For do. that
0: matter, um, as much as you might hate giving Orson Scott card money by proxy... Um, I love Shadow Complex, complex as well. Definitely Shadow Complex. I have played that as well. All right, Sam, do you yes, have...
1: I, and I absolutely do hate it. I, and, I hate And I... Guacamelee. I hate the concept of giving that man money enough that I boycotted Ender's Game when it came out.
0: <laughs> See, I, I still haven't seen it, but I still donated um, the cost of a movie ticket to Glad <laughs> the day it released.
2: <sighs> that a boy! See, <laughs> so you should go and play Guacamelee too. That's the one if you like Metroid games, but. I feel like we're strained from RPGs. We, we, we are that's... drifting
0: a bit, Sam. What do you think these were? What What is the ideal circumstance for these buzzwords to happen?
3: I don't freaking care about them. Is that a response?
0: Go right ahead, honey. Sure
3: is. I just don't freaking care. I am, you know, it's sad because you know Michael and I we do PR for RPG Gamer, blah blah blah. Um, and I just don't care. You, you know what? My whole thing is: if your game hooks me, it hooks me. If it doesn't, I'm going to tell you why it doesn't hook me. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you to your face why it sucks. Oh, did I do that once? I think I did. To Shane Bettenhausen. Oh, yeah, I was not a nice person (laughs) that day. But it's the truth. You know, you can throw meaningless words at me, but I'm the type of person where it's like, throw them at me. But once I play it, and you put your pitch on me, and your pitch sucked so hard, I will have no problem being like, so this is what someone told me. This is why they're an idiot.
2: And you hit on a good point. I think... The best thing you can do is just ignore what marketing says, ignore what PR says about a game, and wait till you just hear what the game's about. You or just know, when
3: you try it for yourself.
2: Exactly. Only don't,
3: you know what you're interested in. That's that's the funny thing. Um,
2: and don't believe don't believe people that are trying to sell you this stuff, because you know as honest as they may be, they're still trying to sell you something. It ain't like they're trying to just you know give you something away. and if they can't show it to you don't believe it all right well, and
3: that, you know and that's the thing you know i've played every single freaking harvest moon game <laughs> it's still the same freaking game you can add a new belt. oh look i can sell stuff at a bazaar it's still the same freaking well, game
0: ev- ev- they have a core gameplay and then they have the ga- the gimmick uh, du jour
3: and you know what i'll still play it
0: well, now, now you'll be switching to Story of Seasons by all accounts. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: that is the new Harvest Moon, so...
1: I, I remember there was one box cover for Harvest Moon that advertised a new female love interest, and you know what? Yep. They delivered on that promise.
3: Hey, those are, that's the <laughs> thing. You know what? Harvest Moon, for the most part, it's a great example of that something that doesn't to... lie. <laughs> it really is what it is. If it says there's a new female love interest, it's right. <laughs> Like, if the new gameplay mechanic is you can customize where your house sits on a plot of land, you betcha it's there. <laughs> All
0: right. and, and you I, know what? I'm I, I happy get, for that. And I, I mean, I do sort of dismiss these uh, ideas as buzz, as just sort of buzzwords, but I think user experience does matter. And I wish uh, more companies were better at understanding what these words meant during the design process. Because on the one hand, you have Valve that will sit and playtest everything to death in uh, the hope of churning out some sort of alchemical balance of the ideal mix of gameplay and learning and messing around with mechanics and story and environmental ideas and... Which is why they only
2: come out with a couple of games in a decade or two.
0: Yeah, and then you have EA, and now on the other side you have EA, which seems to think this is all metrics-driven, which is why... uh, And Ubisoft. Well, no, Ubisoft has their own kettle of fish, but I'm going to point out EA and Mass Effect 3, and the fact that, you know what, you haven't shot anything in seven minutes, so let's add a turret sequence, because they don't understand that you can be engaged with interacting with characters as much as you can be with interacting with bullets.
1: Yeah. Oh, that really frustrated me. I I gotta say, Mass Effect 2, probably one of my biggest disappointments of last console generation.
0: You know what? I, I thank argue, you for agreeing with I, me. I,
1: I argue the fact that it's an RPG. I claim that it's a third-person shooter with RPG elements. Uh, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> no, I'm definitely with you. I mean, it is, it is streets of a head of the third-person shooter genre, but I think as an RPG, it falls flat.
1: I, I went from being able to customize my armor, all my guns, everything about my character, to having auto-level up.
2: No, nah, see, I'm going to argue with both of you all and say that it is not that. It is a dating sim with third-person shooter elements.
0: Well, that's that's what people like about it. That's not necessarily what EA that's all wants I, to sell.
2: That's all Sam I I care and I, about. Sam and I, I think are on the same page here, and we're happy with our Mass Effect dating sim. And if they were to just make a straight-on dating sim with none of oh. the other gameplay parts, I think both of us Do would you know probably play that. you know how amazing it would be, like, if it was...
0: I hope Garrus-senpai notices me.
2: <laughs> yes.
3: Oh my god, yes. I want to be noticed by Garrus. Scott, you're ruining everything. It's all about dating Rex,
2: okay?
0: <laughs> Oh, come on. You love Garris senpai You know it.
2: With irritation... This is getting off topic.
0: Okay, I I think we're done with this buzzwordiness. So, uh, any final
2: thoughts? Yeah, it's stupid. I think there's great things about gaming that we can not sum up in buzzwords like that. I don't think you can tell somebody how good a game is by just saying it's immersive, because that is the most nebulous, vague term there is. It's, you know it just doesn't mean the same thing to everybody and it doesn't mean anything so if you can't tell me what's good about it don't say it's immersive because that doesn't mean a thing
0: Trent? I
2: think we live in a
1: world now where video game PR is all but irrelevant I honestly do Um, I I suppose I don't care as much about these buzzwords I mean I see them in reviews and previews and general coverage of video games That's, 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 that's one thing but like as as far as the marketing giants that are the video game companies like i i like i i never take anything a video game company says about a game they've developed seriously unless they're listing blanket features like has up to four player co-op or you know uh, offers like 10 to 40 hours of gameplay like i i don't care that, even like,
2: that's nonsense yeah well,
0: that is but, also but, nonsense
1: but but this this is the thing though like I, like unless you're stating something that is clearly an objective fact about your game like it, it I'm going to take anything you say with a grain of salt anyway, and I'm pretty sure most gamers are uh, of that opinion too. I feel like if you were to poll the gamer audience, I'd say a a, a very large proportion of us would all say the same thing about the words immersive um, uh, or or, or actually any buzzword wrapped around promoting or selling a video game. So many gamers, I, I think, are able to acknowledge the fact that video game companies ultimately think that we're stupid. And I'll and we, agree and with we you purchase on things, We purchase things somehow based on vague promises. But the reality is, a lot of gamers will purchase things because they appeal to their own biases and their own aesthetic preferences. Or maybe they'll purchase something because they've heard good things from a friend. Or from a trusted resource after the game has been released. I feel like few people actually take what these marketers say seriously. And I certainly am not one of them.
2: And that's another thing. And I'll agree with you wholeheartedly on that. But even the one thing that you stated in your examples when you said, you know, it has 10 to 40 hours of gameplay, even that but I is say, not. I didn't say
1: 70 plus. I said 10 no. to 40.
2: Even that. <laughs> is bs sometimes because i have found that i tend to take anytime somebody estimates how much gameplay is take that and drop it by at least 25 percent, and maybe maybe they're close at that point
3: you and i are the same though in that sense because you and i always tend to be on the lower end of what everybody else estimates
2: yeah it always and,
3: happens and then you you and i always have that conversation of
2: it may be that long if you leave it on pause and yeah. you know go to work so or
0: you spend all that but, time actually backtracking for that but, one guild quest that doesn't really matter or
3: that one <laughs> stupid item you can't find
2: but or, like i said of i'm of not course, carrying...
0: 40 hours every final fantasy game devotes to mini games so that you can beat up monsters
2: without any effort which I never do, so that cuts down my time. But I'm yeah. Not well, you still spend
0: Trent's thirty point. hours grinding to do the same thing.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, not always. But I'm not tearing down Trent's Point as much as building it up and agreeing with what he's saying in this case, because marketing and stuff is it's not so much irrelevant as much as it's really not aimed for those of us that would actually be on a podcast or listening to a podcast. Chances are, anybody listening to us. Is smart enough to know what gaming's all about. I and um, to know that stuff's nonsense. Well almost, that point that point
0: everyone. will be refuted by feedback, but never mind. Sam, your finals?
3: It's still BS, I don't care.
0: Okay. So um, also
3: always sometimes monsters is a really good example of this, and I never talked about it and I feel really bad.
0: Well, We'll get you. You can write about, you can talk about always, sometimes monsters. And some no, I'll just game. talk about
3: it with you, and then be like, and then oh my god, this happened, and then oh my god, this, and now I'm crying.
0: Well, okay, <laughs> and obviously, I that there is part of my brain that I will never shut off that is always asking questions about what is going on, and if a game can make me not care about those questions, that's great.
3: That's a good game.
0: That is that is For an amazing thing, and I I will appreciate that. Otherwise, I'm going to sit here and try and play open world games because at least then I can choose what I want to deal with in what order. And I mean, uh, I am a guy who buys uh, Ubisoft uh, open world game two to three times per year, knowing full well that I will spend half of it completely annoyed with the railroady nonsense of the uh, Ubisoft open world game uh, milieu. And still come out of it saying, you know what, it was kind of fun because I got to choose which section railroaded me and how whenever I wanted.
3: Still loving that copy of Watch Dogs, huh?
0: Oh, God. I will. There, I can rewrite this game to be brilliant. I really
2: can. Go
3: cry can. in your corner. Go cry in your corner. <laughs> right. I gotta uh, listen to it later.
2: All right. So Feedback? Is there feedback?
0: Yeah, because this this one, because last episode generated uh, a, a quite the forum thread, and I would like to start by announcing that uh, uh, forum member Raya Resender is, of course, a pod person because he has this he he has these beliefs. Oh, Scott! He has beliefs that are completely alien to the human mind, and he is more than happy to derail an entire thread to discuss these beliefs in a way that he thinks is an interesting argument, and I would just, myself and Eric Idle, would call just a contradiction. (laughs) Are we done? Well, no, because he turned this whole thread about last episode into talking about how Metacritic is viable, user reviews are handy even if you have played a game, objectivity is possible, and um, that he also does not understand statistics at all. He does not understand statistics.
2: Well, Raya, if you're listening, please tell us what you think about immersion, engagement, and in whatever the other thing we've been talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <investment. That's> <laughs> but Didn't talk for, as much about that part.
0: But because you have commented, I get to introduce the Rysender Memorial Award for being a total flake in the goddamn comments, for which he will receive... The worst rated game on Metacritic in the RPG genre spectrum, which is, uh, Realms of Arcania, uh, which, by all accounts, is actually, is a quasi-remake of a game from the 90s, which means he will actually love it and spend time, uh, and, uh, spend time explaining to us how it is actually amazing and, uh, more games should be like it, because he's a pod person. <sighs> All but right. it will be on he Steam, talks, no. because I also know he seems to think that's the devil.
2: <laughs> oh, Scott. Please okay. send well. all comments and complaints to scottwechter at... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's not my email. Okay. <laughs> okay, other other things from feedback is um, a new guy on the forums, uh, Mr. Uh, or Miss, Mrs. something, uh, Techside, who is, I guess, from Texas and very p- pleased with that fact. Who's, who says we are a great and uh, left a bunch of very coherent and awesome comments uh, for which uh he slash she slash whatever uh will receive a, a real prize <laughs>
2: Congratulations. And yes, great comments from TechSide. So, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, for real, if you do have any
1: uh, comments or complaints uh, that you want to keep kind of secretive and not in a forum post, uh, feel free to send them in. It's uh, askwheels at rpgamer.com. <laughs>
0: uh, we're He's really perfectly happy out...
3: with it by the way. Like, he likes when people send him stuff, <laughs> both good and bad, unless it's Moog and Souls, then please don't. Yeah. Um, it's actually
2: just wheels at rpgamer.com. Yeah,
3: there you go, Trey.
2: Or, or you can find him at AskWheels on Twitter. Yeah. There you go. We'll gladly take all private feedback there <coughs> and make it public.
0: Yeah, <laughs> With an essay to accompany that. But no, TechSide has just been sort of what I want. He is, he, she, or whatever has been running around being exactly what I want from the comments on the forums. So, hey, have a shiny thing. It'll be off-gog. It'll be cool-ish. Nice. And, um... One last bit of feedback is uh, just confirming my bias that Sam has more fans than all of us because everyone came out to say that they were fans of Sam and not say Trent or Mac. So well, uh, we win. On me. or something. <laughs> I uh, thanks, guys. No, yeah, don't
3: do. No, just no. I mean, it's sweet and all, and I'm awkward and don't understand.
2: I think that's what they love about you.
0: <laughs> no, they love that she's a woman. <laughs> I'm sure there's a I
2: few. Wasn't going to mention that one, but now that you painted the obvious. So, one.
3: in other words, Details. if you guys find out that Scott has a bloody nose later from a beating, <laughs> you know, it's all good. He's just damn it, Scott really has a woman, really.
0: I'm sorry, but come on. We all we've all seen the sexism rampant in the community.
2: Uh and that sounds like a whole another episode. A year uh, from now,
0: because I'm not ready for that nonsense. <laughs> I'm not either. All right. So uh, again, leave comments in the thread. Tell us uh, broad feedback in that different thread. Um, rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends. And look forward to next month' ep- next month's episode, where we will be discussing whether or not JRPGs are sharks or
2: pandas. What? Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. I've got my comments ready already. All right. Very
3: Why are you always ahead of us, Mac? Why?
0: Because he I'm knows what powers. I mean when I say shark or panda. I don't. <laughs> Good night, everybody.
2: Good night, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Thank you for listening.
3: Sharks and pandas. I'm so confused now. <laughs>
0: The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production, all rights reserved. Visit rpgamer.com for contact info, discussions, and other great content. Music by Nibuo Ematsu, arrangements courtesy of ocremix.com.